Right, this, this week um, I'm going to do a bit of a background chat about, about prayer and then next week we're going to um, unpack uh, the Lord's Prayer and just see what we can, uh, can get out of that. So just in order to, to kick us off, um, I'm just reminded of that song we sang before where we, we make me an offering and I just want to read a couple of verses from Psalm 5 and it says this. It says, listen, God, to my passionate prayer. Can't you hear my groaning? Don't you hear how I'm crying out to you? My God and my King, consider my every word, for I'm calling out to you. At each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to consume my heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, for the privilege and for the, for the pleasure of, of being in your company, and that's, we say that as a community. But Lord, really it is a, a, a pleasure also to be in your company as individuals. Just you and, just you and I, just working through life together. We pray that today as we as we kind of explore a little bit about what that means, what it means to pray and to be in your presence in a continual, constant basis, we pray that you'd speak to us. Help us, Lord, to unlock our hearts to let you in so that we could uh, have lives that are changed and fully, fully exposed to what you want to do in us and through us. So, Lord, help us, we pray. Be with me as I bring this message and help me to dismiss stuff that's unnecessary, but Lord, to bring, uh, bring words that bring life and, and your blessing to, to all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. I think we'd all agree that prayer is a, an important Christian discipline. We have, we have prayer lists, we have prayer walks, prayer meetings. And apparently we even have prayer apps. Is that right? Who's, who's got a prayer app? I should be looking over this side down here, eh? But, but apparently we do. We write down prayers that we've spoken and we speak prayers that we've written down. We pray in bed. We pray in the shower. We pray in the car, don't we? We pray before a meal, although I think it's more efficient to walk around pack and save on January the 1st and pray down all the aisles of food and then you don't have to do it for the rest of the year. It's kind of sorted out, sorted out for you and for everybody else. But we pray when our kids are sick. We pray when, when they go to bed. And so we pray because we know that God listens, don't we? Psalm 4 verse 3 says, God listens when I call out to him. In fact, the message says, God listens the split second I cry out to him. There are some people who shout when they pray. You know, they, as if God isn't listening or as if he's deaf or, or maybe in the next street somewhere. Like the preacher who was um, speaking one day on, on the second coming of Christ and he was 
speaking from that verse in Revelation where it says, I am coming. And as he was speaking, before he spoke, he was praying and he's, he's, praying, he's praying that verse out and says, I am coming, I am coming. And we thank you, Jesus, that you say, I am coming. And he got carried away as he said, I am coming. And he trips on the pulpit, falls off the stage and onto an old lady's lap down the front row. Sorry, Gina, on the front row. And as he, as he brushes himself off, he apologises to her and she says, look, it's all right. She says, it's not your fault. You gave me plenty of warning. <laughs> but there are also people who pray silent prayers, aren't there? Like the young man in 15th century France who wanted to become a monk. And so he joined the monastery. And it was a monastery where you undertook a vow of silence. And so for three years, he would sit in his room on a wooden chair and he would pray, meditate in silence. There would be meals, there would be sleep, but he, that, there would be no speaking for three years. But at the end of every three years, he would have a chance to go to the abbot and he would say two words. At the end of the first three years, he goes to the abbot and the abbot says, what have you got to say? And he says, bed hard. The abbot sends him back to his room to pray and to meditate in silence, of course. Another three years come and the young man's no longer a young man, he's getting older, goes to see the abbot again and the abbot says, what are your two words? He said, food bad. Abbot sends him away again, he goes away for another three years, comes back, nine years this has been, and then the, the, the abbot says, what do, you, what do you have two words? He says, I'm leaving. And the abbot says, thank goodness you've done nothing but complain since you've been here. <laughs> You know, if we're honest, um, really honest about prayer, it's not easy. Praying is not easy. Now, we know that prayer is an essential part of a Christian's life. We know that. And whilst one line of prayers like, bless this food or help me pass this exam, those sort of prayers are easy, but prayers that are, that are meaningful, that are consistent, a, a consistent prayer life that's effective... It's not always an easy thing to, um, to develop in your life. And, and I wanna, I'm going to open this up, and I'm just wondering um, if you've got some ideas about what makes, why is praying not always an easy thing? Why do we sometimes find it difficult or a struggle? Or why do we, why do we find it a challenge? Why do we find it sometimes confusing? Or possibly we even question its value. Why, why is it? Any, anybody? See, when I reflect on my life, I haven't always found prayer that easy. Now, sure, I've prayed, especially in times when I've been involved in mission or in desperate life circumstances, I've prayed and I've prayed fervently. And, in fact, there were times when I was really prompted to pray a lot and then our lives fell apart. And I discovered that the prayer that I, the prayer that I've been praying the time and with God had actually built or developed a reservoir in my life that was enabling me, quenching me, and nourishing me when times were really hard and my spirit was broken and I couldn't pray. So there were times like that. But I must say that until recently, even though I've prayed a lot, a really consistent, effective, meaningful prayer life, it's been there but it hasn't been as good as it should or it could have been. So I want to I ask you, because I think this is really important for us to kind of investigate and explore. What do you, why do you think? 
we sometimes struggle with a prayer life like that. Anybody? Now, I know that might be, might be a personal question, but what about, what about the person next to you? Why do they struggle with prayer? <laughs> yeah. Being honest? Yep. Yeah, cool. Yeah, okay. Anybody else? Distractions when you're praying. <laughs> it is hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Pip. Sorry? You don't get answers. Good, yeah, we're going to cover that in a minute. Yeah, good one. Yeah, okay. Anyone else? Why prayer is a challenge? Down there? Oh, yes, yep. Look, Ines. Yeah, so it's concentration really, isn't it? Keeping your mind on what you're praying. Yeah, okay, I know exactly what... You're praying in the morning, you're thinking of other things that are happening during the day, and yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, correct, rather than an everyday part of life, yeah, good, good point, yeah, 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 down the, yes. Scared that our, scared that our prayers are not answered, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a, yeah, we're going to look at that as well, yeah. Okay, that gives, so praying is not, is not easy, and I've got five, I've got five little I guess, things that I... Can we have them on the screen, please, Daniel? The, the, the five reasons why we probably struggle with prayer or why it can be confusing for us or why we, we sometimes um, question the value of prayer. So the first one is the object of our prayers is unseen. We're addressing one who is invisible, aren't we? We can't see him. In fact, we can't even prove that God exists, really. And so it's, it's not easy to draw time aside each day to address the one who is invisible and who's unproven. And so it's in faith, it's in faith that we do pray aside each day. And as, as we said before, we do know that, that he listens, that he cares, and that he does respond to our prayer. Okay. Secondly, the expression of our prayers is uncertain. Sometimes we just, we don't know what to say. Isn't that right? I mean, what does a created being say to the creator? What does a sinful man say to a holy God? And sometimes we just don't know what to say. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I was young, I would hear an older person pray and I would think, wow, can you really say those words to God? Or you get a bit, you know, there's a bit of envy and you think, I wish I could have that sort of communication with God. So sometimes in reality, we don't know what to say. The expression of our prayers is uncertain. The focus of our prayer may have a personal bias. Now, there are kind of, that can be unwrapped in a number of ways. But for example, let's just say you and your family have had a pretty hard year and you have planned this trip to go to the Hooks Bay for the middle of January and 10 days, you book the campsite up there and you're going to have a great time as a, as a family on this holiday. It's been six weeks of no rain in Hawke's Bay and you're praying like crazy that the, that the fine weather is going to continue. The trouble is there's a farmer in Hawke's Bay whose farm is nigh on drought conditions 
and he's praying that the rain comes. <laughs> Who wins? Sometimes our prayers have a personal bias, don't they? Another way they can have a personal bias is, is um, sometimes we can thank God for protection in an event when that event has actually been a tragedy for someone else. I don't know if you saw it, but a few months, or probably a year ago now, there was a, a plane crash in Indonesia, and there was a guy on the news being interviewed, and he was thanking God because his taxi was late to the airport, and he missed the flight. And it was a blessing to him. And I'm thinking, what about the 200 other people whose taxi wasn't late to the airport? And they died. So sometimes our prayers can have a personal bias. Sometimes also our prayers can, we can perceive that our prayers are being answered in a certain way, but it is not what the person praying had intended. Let me read a letter to you. I found this letter in my file. I've had it for years and I've been wanting to use it because it's a great letter. And I had to kind of adjust it a bit for this morning. So bear with me. But it's a letter written by, so it's written before the days of emails and texts and that sort of thing. It's written by an 11-year-old boy who was at a two-week two youth camp, all right? He's writing to his folks, thanking them for the way that they've been praying for him and the other parents have been praying for the other kids that have a good time. So remember, you are Michael's father and mother sitting at the dining room table listening to Michael read this letter as he's thanking you for your prayers. Dear Mum and Dad, thanks for all the prayers that you and the other parents have put up for us. Your prayers must be working because we are having an awesome time up here at Lake Typhoid. The new youth group leader is real cool. He is making us write to all our parents in case you saw the floods on TV and got worried. We're all okay. Only one of our tents and two of our sleeping bags and Jack's backpack got washed away. Luckily, none of us drowned because we were all up the mountain looking for Tim when it happened. Oh, yeah. Please call Tim's mum and tell her he's okay. He can't write because of the plaster cast. I got to ride in one of the search and rescue vehicles. It was neat. We never would have found Tim if it wasn't for the lightning. Our youth group leader got mad at Tim for going on a hike all alone without telling anyone. Tim said he did tell him, but it was during the fire, so probably didn't hear him. <laughs> did you know, did you know that if you pour petrol on a fire, the whole petrol can will blow up? <laughs> the wet wood still wouldn't burn, but one of our tents did and some of our clothes. John is going to look a bit weird until his hair and his eyebrows grow back. <laughs> We'll be home Saturday if our youth group leader can get the bus fixed. It wasn't his fault about the crash. The brakes were okay when we left. Our youth leader said, with a bus this old, you have to expect something to go wrong. That's probably why he couldn't get insurance. We think it's a wicked bus. When you sit in the back, you can even watch how the engine works. Our youth leader even lets us take turns to sit on the luggage rack on the roof. Well, at least until the traffic officer stopped and talked to him. Don't worry, our youth leader is a very good driver. In fact, he's teaching Andrew to drive. But he only lets him drive on the narrow hilly roads where the only traffic are logging trucks. This morning, this morning, all of us were jumping off the rocks and swimming in the lake. 
Our youth leader wouldn't let me because I can't swim and Tim was afraid he might sink because of the cast. So he let us take the canoe across the lake instead. It was great. You can still see some of the trees under the water from the flood and one of our tents. Our youth group leader isn't controlling like the last one. He didn't even get mad when we forgot our life jackets. He has to spend so much time fixing the bus, so we're trying not to bother him. Guess what? We all learnt some first aid today. When Keith drove off the cliff and into the lake and cut his arm, we got to see how a tourniquet works. Also, Aaron and I threw up. Our youth group leader said it was probably just food poisoning from the leftover chicken dish we had the first night we were at camp. He said they got sick like that with the food they ate in prison. We, we're, real glad he, we're real glad he got out of prison and became our youth group leader. He's very smart. He showed us how to tie sheets and ropes and stuff together to make a bungee. We're going to try it out tomorrow from the old bridge above the rapids. He said the bridge is safe because no one uses it anymore. I have to go now. We're going down to the village to post these letters and to buy some bullets. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. Just keep praying for us because we are having such an awesome time. Love your son, Michael. P.S. How long has it been since I had a tetanus shot? <laughs> right. So sometimes our prayers have a personal bias. Right, number four, the outcome of our prayers is unseen. And this is really what Pip was referring to before, and I think um, Kumadini may be down the back as well. But sometimes the outcome of our prayers, uh, sorry, is outcome of our prayers is in doubt. And sometimes we just don't know what God does with our prayers, do we? Sometimes when we pray and the response happens, we actually think, well, I wonder if that still would have happened if we hadn't prayed anyway. You ever had that? You know, like you might be praying for your daughter who's going through an exam at uni. She passes with flying colours. But you think, hey, for the intelligent parents like us, she would have passed anyway, you know. I mean, so, so sometimes, but other times we just cannot, we just don't know what God does with our prayers. When you pray for the government, do you, do, you don't really know if it's had any effect. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't have an effect, but you can't quantify the result of your prayers, the outcome of your prayer. Was there an outcome? Indeed, was... Was there an answer? Well, sometimes, as Pip alluded to as well, it's like knocking on God's door, but he's not at home. And that brings us to number five. The primary purpose of prayer is misunderstood. Now, I want to suggest that this is relevant to a lot of Christians, and maybe even some here. And whether it's... Um, we've been involved or exposed to some teaching or some influence in the way that we've been brought up. Sometimes we think of God as a bellboy. You know, we, we, we ask him for something and he goes, fetches. 
Or we can think of God as a vending machine. You know, we make a selection, press the button, and, and out come the goods. Or maybe we, we can have the sense of, an, of entitlement. You know, we've given our lives to God and we tithe, we're involved in the church, we do things, we're even involved in the community. You know, we mow the old man's lawn next door, we help old ladies across the street, even if they don't want to go. Um, and and we, we kind of, we do good things and so we expect good in return. And not really understanding what the word good means, of course. And I, I think it's easy for us to be, for our prayer life to get to the point where we, we ask and we pray and we expect because we've been told it will happen or because we just, we just believe it will happen, but sometimes it doesn't. And we can become disappointed, we can become disillusioned, and ultimately we become, I guess we can become a little bit resentful as well. Not, a, not just with prayer, but with life and possibly even with God. Because... We've pushed the button, but the goods weren't dispensed. So I want to suggest that one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons we have difficulty with prayer and subsequently even our life with God, because the real purpose, the primary purpose of prayer is misunderstood. Now, if you want to take home line from this morning, if you want to write one thing down, it's this, is that prayer is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. Okay? Now, it's a pursuit that happens not just with you to God, but God also is, is pursuing us. Look at it this way. When I hear the phrase, prayer works, and someone comes and says, ah, oh, prayer works, I'm sometimes, I'm sometimes just thinking that what's really meant is that God answered in the way and in the timing that I thought he would. You know? In other words, the button was pushed and the goods were dispensed. But you know, there are thousands of people outside the church and inside the church, maybe even here this morning, whose spirits are crushed because we prayed and God didn't answer the way that we wanted him to or thought he would. Pushed the button, but the goods weren't dispensed. And that's life. Viv and I prayed for three hours after our son had his school playground accident, really believing that God was going to bring him off the operating table well. You know, we, we, if the doors of heaven could be knocked down, we would have done it. And yet he didn't live. Ron and Misty, and their wider family, would have done the same thing for a day or so when, when the young Taylor was in hospital. But she passed away. So does, does prayer work just because we get the answer that we want or expect? Does prayer work? Does it? There are some things about this that I'd, I'd like to talk about next month when we look at pain and suffering. So we can't cover some of these kind of tangents, if you like, right now. But what are, we we just haven't got the time for it. So, but does prayer work? Just be, see, prayer works, yes and no, it does. If prayer is only about getting what I want when I want it, prayer doesn't always work. But if prayer is about the pursuit of a relationship, it does work. It does work. 
And I want to suggest that that sometimes our faith will grow and our relationship with God will be strengthened and enhanced and will grow closer to the heart of God through prayers that are unanswered than prayers that are answered. And that happens when our primary focus in prayer is the pursuit of a relationship, knowing that his heart is after us as well. Isn't that right? Now, before you start throwing rotten fruit at me, your question is, does God, does God intervene? Of course he does. I mean, we've all seen miraculous things happen. I was just talking to uh, Matt and Ava before about the time 10 years ago when we, Matt and I went into the Wellington, to the maternity unit or the specialist unit, whatever you call it, in Wellington Hospital and, and prayed for Deanna and things were not good, were they? But a miracle happened and, and within a few days. Is that right? Cool. But there have been times too when I've, I remember that, um, and Pip, is, um, you'd remember this too from the LifeWorks, the LifeWorks um, meeting that we had. Some of you remember Ben Oina, who used to play uh, first five for Up Up Prems. He came into our meeting one night, uh, just a home group meeting, and he'd had an accident at training, and he was told by the physio that he couldn't play rugby for 10 weeks. And he was pretty disappointed because it's Swindale Shield, matches were coming up and he wanted to be there and so we gathered around including some non-Christians we gathered around and prayed for him laid hands on his knee and one of the, one of the comments that came back from some of the folk who weren't, weren't Christians said we could feel feel something powerful happening there and it was and you know he was playing rugby the next week you know things like that we've all seen that sort of thing I remember one day at work he, he, one of my guys had had um, a, a, well he'd had a Visit a couple of visits to a consultant, and things weren't looking good in terms of his health. And um, he was in for a pretty major operation. And so I, we, I dragged him around the back of a concrete block wall in the basement, and we prayed together. He went to his consultant the next week, and he was clear, you know. And I remember also, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just, all I'm doing is, 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 is showing that in spite of what we think God, God does intervene. He, 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 he comes into our world and he brings us life and he brings us goodness. He brings us healing and his deliverance. In fact, in, on deliverance, we were in India about, I don't know, 35 years ago or something, and Bruce Billington, myself, and a few others. And we were, we'd been to a, a Catholic girls' school. And after the meeting, uh, a number of the nuns were on stage. And as we were praying with them, one of the nuns manifested terribly. On the, you know, fell over and everything was all happening on the stage. One of the, we, we just sort of stood back and watched what the others did, but one of the more senior nuns got the crucifix from round her neck and started to show it to the woman who was on the floor, the, the young nun on the floor, expecting the demon to see the, the crucifix and to, you know, for the, for the woman to be released. Nothing happened. And so the older nun motioned the, the, the other nun to go to get a bigger crucifix and so she went to the lectern and got a slightly bigger crucifix took it to the woman on the floor and showed it nothing happened the woman was still manifesting so the older nun um, motioned the young nun again to go out to the back back room somewhere and she dragged this huge cross in <laughs> and had the cross showing in front of the woman on the stage a woman who was manifesting 
nothing happened. And so Bruce and I, who was, just looked at each other and said, well, it's time to do something here. So we just went, went was, in the name of Jesus, come out. And the woman was free, just like that. Amazing. And so we've all seen those sort of things. That we've seen God come down and, and bring his life and bring his goodness and to sustain, to save, to heal, and to bring his, his, um, his power to, to earth and to, and to see magnificent things happen. I was, you know, I was, I used to get really bad asthma. In fact, I used to get bad, so my attacks that I used to have were so bad that my mother thought I was going to die. And I used to get taken to hospital to get on the ventilating machine and all that sort of carry on. One morning at about three or four o'clock, I was 16 years of age, mum thought I was going to croak. And so she called a pastor up from another church that we didn't go to because our church weren't really into that at that stage. And he came at four in the morning and prayed for me. And you know what? I haven't had an attack since. And now I just, now I just love praying for young people who've got asthma, you know. So God does miracles. God intervenes and brings his power and brings his life to us. But can I say that the primary purpose of prayer is for me to pursue this relationship. My prayer life has changed in the last 10 months, partly because of some principles I've learnt and partly because I've learnt the real meaning of the Lord's Prayer, which we'll look at next week. But some of the principles I've learnt, can I just put these, uh, Daniel, this last three coming up now? Okay. We can look at prayer as being what I call the three R's. Prayer can be a ritual where it's something that we just have to do. It's something that we feel obligated, where it's, it's a dutiful thing to do. I remember when we were involved in youth work doing rallies, we would um, have the young people in a, a large room after, a, after an older call. They'd responded to the call of Christ on their lives. They'd been counselled individually. When we talked to them as a group, we would say, there are three things you have to do. Get involved in a church, read the Bible, and pray. So prayer was one of the things we have to do. And so even for other religions, prayer is something that is a ritual. We built a house for a Hindu couple once and they had a prayer closet or a prayer cupboard. And we talked to them about what it meant and they said, oh, it's just one of the things that we, we have to do. You know? And even non-Christians can, can have a ritual of prayer when things aren't going well or when catastrophe, catastrophe strikes, often the, the kind of the default setting is to pray. Sometimes they don't know who they're praying to, but they pray. And there's even a, there's even a prayer now, um, a dialer prayer for atheists. Did you know that? You dial a number, it rings and rings and rings and no one answers. <laughs> and the atheist's belief is, con is confirmed, you know. All right, prayer can also be a routine. Prayer can be a little bit like mowing the lawns or doing the car cleaning, vacuuming the carpet. Sorry, I got that wrong because I don't do it very often. Um, prayer can be just a routine, and we, we do it, and we, we, we kind of, it's okay when it's done, but we've, we've got to do it again sometime, and we don't always look forward to it. But a routine can become mundane. It can become boring. And it can actually sap the life out of us. The last one, and this is where I've come to in my life, is that prayer is a rhythm of life. And I've discovered that, that you know, the, the universe runs on, 
on rhythm. It doesn't, it's not a, it's not a, the universe doesn't run on duty or, or a routine. God hasn't got the angels in some big, some big kind of plant room up in, up in, up in heaven with monitors and screens and dials and levers and, and taps and valves operating how the, 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 the circle of the sun and the, and the planets, he doesn't, and they're not there operating so that they're looking down thinking, okay, when is the first leaf going to fall in autumn? No. Or when is the first, when is the first rhododendron going to flower in spring? They're not operating that because the universe operates on a rhythm. The tides, the seasons, and I believe that prayer in our life needs to operate by rhythm. And rhythm doesn't sap the life out of you because rhythm actually puts life into you. When you, when you. when you treat prayer as a rhythm to life, you are infused with the giver of life himself. Right. Now, just in closing, we've got a couple of minutes. Is that okay? There are, um, I believe in praying in the morning, okay? Now, there are many reasons why people don't pray in the morning. Please don't use the excuse that you don't have enough time because that's, that's a dumb, that's a lame excuse. Use a good reason like you don't want to annoy God because he's having breakfast. But don't ever use the excuse that you don't have enough time. Why do I like the mornings? Why am I kind of drawn to the mornings to pray? Firstly, the Bible talks a lot about prayer in the morning. That passage we read before talked about prayer in the morning. I lay myself on the altar for you at the start of every day. There's a couple of other reasons. First, um, one is that there are some analogies in the New Testament that Paul uses that I think are really good for, as, we, as we look at prayer in terms of a rhythm. Paul uses the analogy of us being co-partners with God and so in the morning I say God what are we working on today what is what have you got in mind for us today and God I don't really want to be doing the same thing as last week because if I'm an apprentice I don't want to be just doing the same stuff that I've always done I want God to extend me what are we doing today that that is new that is fresh that is part of what you are building okay. the second one is that we are called to be soldiers and so I'm saying, God, what is the fight that we're in today? God, we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against principalities and powers. What is the battle that we're fighting today? Or what is the skirmish that is just me but needs to be left aside? We had a really good message last week on courage, you know. Fantastic message. If you, haven't, if you did, weren't here, grab it on podcast. Very good message on courage. But you're saying, God, I need courage today to fight. And I need faith to do something that I haven't done before. And I would step out in faith. God say, what can I do in faith? What, what do I need to step out and do that, God, if you don't turn up, I'm going to look stupid. The third one is, I'm an ambassador. Paul talks about us being an ambassador. How can I today be a really good reflection of your kingdom in the world that you have placed me in? How can I be an ambassador and, and do that authentically and do it well? Okay. Another one is that I believe that prayer in the morning is like dropping a pebble in a lake. I think we might have talked about this a few months ago, but when you drop a pebble in a lake or in the pond, 
ripples disperse from the point of entry of the pebble. And so often the pebble, so the pebble is dropped, but during the day I can watch the pebbles being dispersed. Sorry, the, the, the ripples being dispersed. And I can see the effect of a prayer that's happening during the day as the ripples come out. Sometimes it's God intervening and doing something in a miraculous way. Sometimes it's something he's doing in my life. More often than not, it's something he's pointing out in me that needs to be done in my life. But it's a ripple that comes from the pebble that's dropped in the morning. As the pebble goes through the water column, as it's dropped, energy is still dispersed. And this comes back to your comment, Pip. Energy is still dispersed. And the ripples still flow out from the from the center where the energy is released. And sometimes we can't see what God is doing, but he's doing it. It's being discharged, it's being dispersed in, in areas that are beyond what we can see with our own eyes. And God is doing something. Lastly, just as we wrap this up, in order to begin a journey, and prayer is a journey, and I'll just perhaps read... Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Okay, saturated in prayer throughout each day. So if we start the day, it, it sets the pattern, it sets the mould for the day. There's an obscure verse in the book of Amos in the Old Testament that says, Can two people journey together if they haven't arranged to meet? You got that? Can two people walk together unless they have agreed to meet? So we walk in prayer. We walk in our journey with God. We walk in our life with Him. But we need to have a time when we meet. If you go on any journey anywhere, there are three things. There's always a destination. You're walking with someone. Maybe, you've, maybe you're saying, okay, we're going to meet somewhere. We're going to meet at Harcourt Park. We're going to meet down at Trentham Memorial Park. We're going to go, and you agree in your journey together. But you're also going somewhere. And I want to suggest as we pray, the start is, is, is the time to meet. And then we agree together, and then we're going somewhere. Your life is it has changed. Prayer doesn't make me better than you. But I tell you what, it makes me better than me. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what incredible privilege you've given, given us to walk life with you. The creator of this universe, the master, the one who rides the heavens, the one who hung the stars in space, and yet the one who says, you can call me father. What a mighty privilege it is. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we pray that as we learn, as we nurture our prayer life with you, that we grow and that, Lord, we would see you, see our own lives develop and come closer to you. But, Lord, we'll also you see you do magnificent things through us. See you work in our lives and also work through us. Thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and your grace upon us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, thanks, Trev. Um, so a lot of you know me, some of you might not. Uh, 11 years ago, in 2008, I was in Canada with my wife. 
Um, on the way to work, there was a bus strike, so I was getting dropped off in the city super early. And at the time I was doing this um, course, this Dennis Peacock course, SLT. Uh, sorry, I, I've been sitting there and I just, I felt like, I got this story and then I was like, oh, I don't want to share that, please no. And then my heart just beat it and then I was like, okay, just God, give me a sign if, if you want me to share this now. And then Trevor just kept saying more and more and more. And then when he said, drop in the ocean and the ripples, I just thought, oh, I have to kind of talk about my prayer for the government and how, you know, we can pray about like, God, stop those abortionists and those, those gays and this law and that law and that law. But my prayer that morning, 11 years ago, was when President Obama was making his first inaugural visit to Canada. And I knew they were there and I was on my way to work in a kitchen to chop lots and lots of onions. And on the way to work, I just said, God, may your will be done, may your kingdom come with that meeting that day. And I went to work and I then chopped onions and wrapped bacon wrapped scallops and did a thousand other things. And then after work, I met a mate and I was smelling like onions and fish. And, we, and the first cafe we went to was closed. And then the second cafe we went to was, um, uh, had no F-Post. So we ended up in this third cafe that we didn't even want to be at, that we weren't even planning to be near. And it was us and one other crusty table over there, this big wide cafe and f four people sitting in a cafe. And we're talking, and then you know what happens? A big black SUV rolls up and a guy with an AK-47 hops out. And then a helicopter hovers in. And we're like, oh, whoa, <laughs> did we not pay the bill? Uh, and, then, and then all of a sudden, a presidential limo rolls up with a little American flag waving on the top of it. And out hops Obama. And my friend and I look at each other, what the heck is happening? I rush to the door and he walks in. And we were literally face to face, so close. I could have punched him or whatever. You know, like no bodyguards, me and him standing face to face. President Obama, the first black American president, and I shook his hand and I said, hey, mate, how's your day going? And he, he, was, he, caught, he was caught off guard by my Kiwi accent. And he's like, oh, you know, good, thanks. Just stop for a bite to eat. <laughs> and, um, and that was it. And, and he went on. The place swarmed with people. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and that's it. There's no photos. There's nothing. There's, uh, you know, I wish there was a photo. Uh, but that was it, literally. I shook his hand. And... And I went home and I told a few people and, and, and the people I told were amazed. I can't believe that happened. But later that night as I was lying in bed, I felt like it was like a God wink. You know, like I prayed the simple little prayer in the morning. It wasn't about me and it wasn't a personal bias and I didn't have a political agenda. I just said, dear Lord, may your will be done in that meeting. May your kingdom come, your will be done in that meeting today. And then I got on with my day, chopping out onions in the kitchen. And eight hours later, here I am shaking a president's hand. And I just think if that's not a sign that like a silly little prayer will be heard, then I don't know. And, and I'm not saying like every prayer you have for the government, well, you'll meet Jacinda or John Key or <laughs> Helen Clark. But just pray those prayers, you know, may, and, and pray them like, may your kingdom come, your will be done. Your will, not my will, not my idea. Like, and, and just be open. I, 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 sorry, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I just felt like that was what, it was just bubbling up. And I felt like it was a good closure and example to everything you talked about this morning. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Trevor. That was awesome. Um, 
But Josh, the, the key thing in there was you prayed the prayer, God answered, or, or in that all happened, it, your relationship with him grew, didn't it, in that way? And that's, that's the key thing, as Trevor says, you know, pursue the relationship with God. And uh, I just couldn't endorse that more. Just really want to encourage you to listen. Trevor, there was so much good stuff there. And I encourage you to, to listen to the podcast again, because um, a lot of practical stuff of how you can do things. And um, yeah, awesome, Trevor. Did we give you a clap when you finished? We didn't. Yeah.